0: Hey everyone, it's great to be with you today. Yeah, I love church, I really do. You know, online, offline, in a home, on the street, down a pub, wherever we are. I love that we get to do this stuff together, to share life together, and together to be with Jesus. You know, so often the world tries to sell us the lie that, that it's all about me, that I am the central figure in my story. That it's my successes and my achievements that really count. You know, that I need to look out for myself and not to anyone else, because at the end of the day, I can't really rely on anyone else. You know, I remember reading a Dr. Zeus children's book which said, you're on your own and you know what you know, and you are the one who will decide where you go. Well, the good news is you're not on your own. You don't ever have to be on your own. You are loved. God's Spirit is with you. And we are in this together. Today on Trinity Sunday, we're going to celebrate that togetherness, our our togetherness, which is a reflection of the togetherness and love of God Himself. You know, God, who is Father, Jesus the Son. And the Holy Spirit. And this understanding of God, this Trinity, isn't just some abstract theological construct. You know, I want you to know today that Trinity is our template for living. You know, last week we celebrated the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of of the church and we're going to continue uh, with that story uh, today. So, uh let's read together from the end of Acts chapter 2. Um, you might remember it's Pentecost, Peter and the other disciples, uh they're on fire and they're preaching boldly about the love of God. Uh, and Peter says this. Verse 38. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit." Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And Jesus, thank you for the community of your church. Thank you for welcoming us in. And as we take these moments uh, together now, would you inspire us by the power of your spirit? Challenge us. Shape us. Amen. You know, right at the start, at the birth of the church, we are introduced not to a building, but to a way of life. And it was something uh, that the Greeks used to call koinonia, which is an amazingly rich word that we translate here as fellowship, and sometimes as sharing or participation or contribution. And it conveys all these incredible notions of a loving uh, community, of togetherness, uh, a generous and deep intimacy. And it's this expression, this, this koinonia, that forms the heart of the remarkable descriptions of the shared life of the earliest Christians. And uh, to understand why this this coin and ear, this this sense of togetherness and fellowship is so important, we need to, we need to go right back to the start to the beginning and see that God never conceived of us as isolated individuals, male and female, He created them right from the beginning. The design was togetherness man and woman, a family, a community created and commissioned. Together. To care for the world. Together. And at the end of this amazing creation account, we see another wonderful picture of intimate unity and and oneness. Genesis 2 finishes by saying of the man and woman that they were both naked and they felt no shame. Openness. Vulnerability. It's literally nothing hidden. Total interdependence, love. And of course, we know the story. We know the world gets broken. Humankind falls the moment that they say, "I know what's best, I am what's central to this story." And the result was division, separation from God from one another, from creation, everything changed. And suddenly, rather than being defined by love and our relationships, we become defined by separation. You know, identity becomes rooted in individuality, distinction, distance. You know, rather than being one in the world, we become a world of ones. And today, after thousands and thousands of years of human achievement, nothing has changed. And we find ourselves adrift in an increasingly individualistic culture. Now this is the affliction of our world. It's the consequence of selfishness, of sin. The poet and priest, John Donne, famously said, no man is an island. But you remember the, uh, the beginning of the, the now classic film about a boy? Uh, Hugh Grant, uh, his playboy character, replies to John Donne, uh, and he says, well, in my opinion, all men are islands. And what's more, now is the time to be one. This, he says, is an island age. You know, we've been conditioned to be self centered individuals. This is an island age. And it breaks God's heart. Because God didn't just design us to be together because He thought it was a good idea. You know, he made us like this because, because this is what He is like. You know, God chose to make us. In his own image, in the image of God, he created them. And who is he? Who is this God? Well, he is love. You know, that's what scripture tells us. Not that God loves, but that God is love. You know, his very being is love. Our one God who is Father, Son and Spirit. God's nature, the stuff of God is a relationship. And this is the great mystery of the Trinity, that God is love, and that he made us to be like him. So to live divided is to destroy the image of God in the world. And that's why Jesus came, the Prince of Peace, the great reconciler, It's why his great prayer was, Father, I pray that all of them may be one. It's why Jesus came and lived and died and was raised to life in order to deal with our sin and the consequences, the separation. It's why he promised the Holy Spirit would come and empower us to live in a different way. And it's why the church was born, this intimate sharing Fellowshipping community where once again the image of God could be displayed in the world. Life as it should be. It's what we were made for, it's what we've been redeemed for, and it's what we will be for eternity. Trinity is the template for living. It's the image in which we were created, and it's what our lives together now should reflect. In the 4th century, the, the Cappadocian fathers uh, began to use the word uh, perichoresis, referring to the, the mutual indwelling, or being in one another, expressed in the Trinity. It, it kind of inferred something of, a, of a, this divine dance, yeah, as Father, Son and Spirit make room for one another. Yeah, distinct, yet not divided. Different, yet not independent. Now, yeah, One of today's leading theological voices, a German guy called Jürgen Molten, when he talks of the story of the Gospel as the great love story of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. A divine love story in which we are all involved together With heaven and earth. God is not a solitary figure. Existing in, in abstract isolation. God embodies relationship. He is love. And out of this love. He creates. And loves. And redeems. And loves. And calls us back. Into his love. as the church today, the question is, well, how are we going to reflect the Trinitarian God who has created us, redeemed us, and calls us into fellowship with himself? Our mandate, just as Jesus prayed for us, is to ensure that as the world looks on, they see through us that God is love. So how does that work? Well, let me me just give you two quick thoughts. First, Trinity reorders our perspective. We must allow what we see of God to reorder the way we see everything else. Back in, in Acts, after Peter boldly preaches the good news about Jesus... Uh, You know, you could paraphrase verses 41 to 43 uh, by saying something like this. Thousands accepted the message and committed themselves to discovering more together. And it was amazing. You know, what it definitely doesn't say is that thousands accepted the message, so they put their head down and they read a book. Or so they put their headphones in and listen to a podcast. So they opened their iPad and they watched church online on their own in their bedroom. In our individualistic society, it's no surprise that, that the primary ways to learn or to consume media, anything, actually, are solo. You know, designed especially for you. And of course, today, actually, it's next level than that. Our media platforms, and often including the way that we now access podcasts or sermon sound bites or church gatherings, are controlled by carefully crafted algorithms created to keep you in a bubble and make sure you get what you think you want. The first time this really sunk in for me was was a few years back with the UK's EU referendum. It seemed certain that the decision was going to go one way. And I was certain of it because literally everything in all of my media feeds said so. But when I woke up the next morning, it was quite a shock. And I realised that something, somewhere, had decided what it thought I wanted to see, and it had ordered my perception accordingly. Don't allow your perception to be ordered by the Trinity of Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. They're not the ones that we were created to reflect. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying uh, don't engage in social media. You know, these can be amazing tools for good, you know, for God's kingdom, especially in this season. But all I am saying is let's not allow them to be our template for living. Our template is higher. God, the Trinity, invites you into a different space, a space that, that isn't focused on you and doesn't always look like you. you know, remember at the beginning of Acts 2, it was explicit about the international multi-tribe makeup of the thousands who accepted the message that day. Now, together, we're invited. To discover more about Jesus with a together that doesn't always look like us. And and that's the point. You know, we learn best, we love best, when we don't just choose to be with those who look like us. You know, and this has to be the message this week. You know, as we've all witnessed and uh, being caught up in, in the global outcry and disgust against the evil of racism. You know, one of the most visible antichrist forms of division and injustice in the world today. You know, we know this can't be right. We know we were made for something different. Designed, even in our differences, to be united. trinity calls us higher trinity reorders our perspective and it demands us to unite to love together in all of our diversity just like god father son and spirit distinct yet not divided yeah and this was one of the key things that that defined the earliest christian communities you know, unlike today Back then, in the first century, shared life wasn't particularly distinctive. You know, communities often sprang up around the commonality uh, of race or religion or vocation. You know, communities who lived together or worked together and looked out for one another. But The distinctive bit was the diversity in these Jesus communities. You know, we see this later in the book of Acts. Jews, Romans, Greeks, rich, poor, slave, free, old, young, together. The early church was distinctive in their diversity and in their diversity, their unity. We need to be distinctive like this today and it's going to take a reordering of our perspective. Trinity reorders our perspective. Second, Trinity requires our participation. Let's go back to verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Let me tell you this. Following Jesus is not a spectator sport. Trinity is a template for living, for mutual action. Each one making room for the other. You can't just sit on the sidelines. You know, as Bowman said, you know, this is a a divine love story in in which we are all involved together with heaven and earth. So come on, let's get involved. You are welcome. Everyone is welcome. You know, these four verses here in Acts are, are so active. They were together. They sold, they gave, they ate, they met. You know, these earliest followers of the way of Jesus were caught up in just that a way of Jesus, a way of life, an intentional set of actions of giving and eating and meeting and praising, which drew them together and together drew them closer to God. And it was as they participated in this togetherness, that they reflected the image of God in the world. several times over the past weeks we've come back to that exhortation in Hebrews 10. Because right now, I think more than ever, participation is tough. But let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We all get to join in this divine dance. Trinity really is the template for living. It reorders our perspective and it requires our participation. Trinity reveals to us the God who is love, the God who we were created to reflect. Let's pray. This may be the first time that you have heard the message of the God of love. Or He loves you. Receive His love now. I encourage you turn and trust in Jesus, know His forgiveness and receive the gift of his Spirit. God, forgive us for all the ways that we mar your image in the world, for our selfishness, for our divisions, for the distance that we create. Jesus, reshape us. We want to look like you. Spirit, empower us to live in the way we were created. May we be and be seen to be a people of love. Amen.